From atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, West. you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use. No doubt continues now. This is the broadcast for March 14th in the year of our Lord 2020. This is our two of two in the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. I'm telling you, there's no other talk show on your radio like it. Archives and live and on-demand radio at libertyroundtable.com, lovingliberty.net, our nationally syndicated radio network. Spread the word, would you please? All right, folks, look, we've got Tom Kaczynski on the radio with us. He's going to be a two-hour guest. Who's Tom, you say? Well, Tom does a podcast covering the ongoing COVID-19 or coronavirus pandemic with open source intelligence and solutions about public health, information, and safety. CoronavirusCentral.net is his website. CoronavirusCentral.net. Coronavirus Central on Facebook. CoronavirusCast on Twitter. He's also written a book called Surviving Coronavirus. On any budget, it's available on Amazon now. That's guest one. Guest two, we have a former attorney. That's a long story. Nevertheless, he's an educator and a public speaker uh, and presenter on national vaccines and on vaccine rights and on pandemic response, etc., etc. The two of them will be um, the focus of this interview today. This second hour. Now, President Trump declared a national emergency, but he also called on all Americans to lift their voices in unison, calling for God's divine intervention. Together, we shall not fail. He's calling on Sunday to be a national day of prayer. That's right. This Sunday, March 15th, the national day of prayer. Boy, do we double down and support the president in that effort. Now, Ohio officials are estimating that they have 100,000 people with the coronavirus. The governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, dodged a question when people said, hey, do you think there'll be martial law? She didn't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. But they're talking about this social distancing that is spreading out away from each other so we don't get this thing. But I'm convinced a significant number of Americans are going to get it. When is it martial law? When is it flat-out quarantine? Apple said that its annual developer conference would take place entirely online this year. No in person. Google and Facebook also canceled their flagship developers conferences in the face of coronavirus health concerns. Delta Airlines is slashing. It's flying by 40% to try to deal with the unprecedented nosedive. In air travel demand, it's the largest cut in Delta's history. CEO Ed Bastian said that the downturn is unlike anything they have ever seen. I mean, even the September 11th attacks, 9-11 weren't near this bad. AMC theaters and Regal Cinemas, the country's two largest movie theater chains, plan to fill no more than 50% of their seats. They're trying to use this, quote, social distancing. Yeah. Is it going to be enough? And I say that it's not, and we better take action quickly. The problem is, how do you, uh, you know what, educate people on the truth and be serious and restrict people's lives and change what they know so drastically due to necessity, but not instill flat-out panic? 
Uh, how do you deal with this in a way that makes sense and walk a very fine line? Um, that's kind of the question throughout the broadcast. Last hour, we talked about all that. This hour, I want to talk a little bit more about the economy. Alan Phillips, welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Pleasure to be back with you, Sam. Thanks for having me. Uh, and Tom, welcome back, sir. Thank you. Glad to continue being here. All right. So let's talk about this. First, I want to ask Alan. Um, they declared it a pandemic. You have watched pandemics um, and the proposal for them about a lot of things for a long time, haven't you? I was um, watching very closely the swine flu pandemic, how that played out and what went on with that. And what I observe and what I infer from information I've heard about the that and various infections since is that it's very, very difficult to get a bead on any reliable information. It's clear that authorities deliberately misrepresent things, and there's almost always money involved, but I think there's almost always multiple agendas involved. And some of this you have to sort of read between the lines to see, but you watch what's happening, and of course you always ask the question, who benefits from what's going on, or what they're trying to make go on? What do they say, Koei Bono? (laughs) Whoever benefits, I mean, that's a big key to um, why whatever is going on is going on, if you subscribe to the theory that it's not a... Uh, a random natural event, but a planned event to uh, manipulate society in any one or more ways to fulfill particular agendas. Sometimes it's more obvious than others, and and again, there's usually multiple agendas the way they do these things. I mean, we saw, for example, with the uh, just uh, jump back in history briefly here with the swine flu pandemic. They declared that a level six, the World Health Organization, the highest of six levels. It turned out to be less virulent than the seasonal flu, but somehow got the highest pandemic level rating. Well, what happened when they did that, Sam, is that it triggered contract clauses between the pharmaceutical industry and countries all over the world for the sale of $18 billion worth of vaccines, most of which were never administered, but that's okay. They still got paid. And there were first world countries selling or giving away vaccines, uh, swine flu vaccines to third world countries. And, um, you know, people raked in the dough. But I think there were lots of other things going on with, with that pandemic. All right. I want Tom to respond to this multiple agenda thing. And the cui bono is another way uh, in another language to say who benefits. Uh, idea. So uh, what do you think about the multiple agenda thing? I think that's reality. I think there is um, the there's those who just want to let a, a good crisis never go to waste. There are those who may be behind it. Uh, I don't know who's who in this thing. And I think it's very important to make that point. Yeah, I, I agree with Bono definitely, that uh, what happens is, and I mean, it's funny you used the Rahm Emanuel quote, because it was in my mind the minute you said that, that realistically, government always looks to get bigger, it looks to get more invasive, we've seen that in the United States, and that this is an opportunity for an international solution from people who think of things in an international context. While it's very true we have to deal with that this way, I think it's really important to recognize that, in fact, it is the very global system itself that has been so responsible for the spread of this virus and, in fact, the vulnerability we have in terms of supply chain disruptions and not being able to domestically produce what we need to survive and having the unwillingness to cut ourselves off to protect ourselves as Americans from a virus that started really by ravaging Asia, whatever its origin And, uh, you know, President Trump is very heavily criticized for travel bans, where the reality is he probably didn't go far enough. So I think, like Alan's saying, it's incredibly possible that there's a larger agenda at play. 
in the context of my uh, podcast, we don't necessarily explore that on air. But I think it's a really reasonable question. And I would say if they come out with a vaccine for all of us to take ready-made three weeks from now, we should be incredibly skeptical of what's out there. And I, for one, would not be taking it. What do you think, Alan? Are they going to come out with a vaccine? They say 12 to 18 months, but do you think they're going to have a magical potion that, you know, make you just take the jab? And I'm, I'm fearful of what the agenda might be for that jab. Is it just to get rich, as some people might want? Is it for population control, as some people might say? You know, I don't know the bigger picture, but I know this. I don't trust them, even if it's something as simple as saying, you know what, they haven't had time to test it. I don't trust them, right? Well, even the well-tested vaccines are misrepresented through official government and mainstream media sources. So when you have vaccines that are rushed through procedures because of a, an emergency, real or not, um, to me, that's even less reliable. And part of the problem here, of course, is there's all kinds of um, plausible theories out there. But in this particular part of the larger vaccine controversy, it's really hard to get clear, definitive information. And, and I think that's partly um, just because there are so many different possibilities and m- many of which are plausible, whether or not ultimately true. And then um, I also believe that there are deliberate disinformation efforts, people who put out information for the purpose of misleading or confusing not only the general public, but those, um, a smaller portion of the larger public that has some awareness of the uh, deceit or manipulation that goes on uh, in this arena. So it's it's really tough to figure out. But I think um, on what I would think of as a more surface level, selling vaccines is so one of the more obvious possible ways to um, for someone to take advantage of whether, whether it's a, a natural virus or a manufactured one, whether it was deliberately released or accidentally, um, you know, whatever the, the source in that regard. Um, as you said, don't let a good well, – how did you phrase it? Don't, don't yeah, let don't let a good crisis go to waste. And that's the crisis. question that I have for Tom as we discuss this economically and creating social distance uh, from people and eventual quarantine, etc. The question becomes how tyrannical and how martial lawistic is that a word? Uh, you get it, right? Um, <laughs> is this thing really going to turn out to be Tom then Allen? I think it's going to have to be incredibly uh, that way because the reality is we're dealing with a terrible virus. And and one option I want to throw out there that I have thought about a lot is that there's a very real possibility that, you know, there can be multiple agendas behind this virus and that the people who put it out there did not understand what they were doing. They put a virus out there thinking it was going to be very mild and controllable. But biological warfare is incredibly dangerous because biology evolved. This virus is looking to survive, become more virulent. And so I think that we have to consider the possibility that amidst all the agenda, something they meant it's got out of control. It looks like it, doesn't it? Hang tight, Tom. It's a fair point. We'll come back, let you finish, then have uh, Alan respond. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live, one of the greatest think tanks in the world. I'd advise Mr. Trump to stop whining and go try to make his case to get votes. The press 
has created a rigged system. They even want to try and rig the election. Well, I tell you what, it, it helps in Ohio that we got uh, Democrats in charge of the machines. And poisoned the mind of so many of our voters. At the polling booths, where so many cities are corrupt, and voter fraud is all too common. And then they say, oh, there's no voter fraud in our country. I come from Chicago. So, so I want to be honest. It's not as if it's just Republicans who have monkeyed around with elections in the past. Sometimes Democrats have to. You know, whenever people are in power, they're, you know, they have this tendency to try to, you know, tilt things in their direction. There's no one. You start whining before the game's even over. Whenever things are going badly for you and you lose, you start blaming somebody else. Then you don't have what it takes to be in this job. Hi, I'm Patty, wife of former Congressman Steve Stockman. In Congress, Steve sought impeachment of Eric Holder for his corruption of the Justice Department and his fast and furious gun running that caused border agent Brian Talley's death. Steve called for arrest of Lois Lerner for her contempt of Congress as it investigated her targeting of conservative nonprofit groups. After four years, four grand juries, and millions of tax dollars, Steve Stockman is in prison. His case involved four checks to nonprofits. DOJ has one standard for Hillary Clinton, but another for folks like President Trump and my husband. We've spent all our savings, all Steve's retirement, and much of mine. Steve Stockman has fought for you and America. Won't you join me now to fight for Steve? To help, text FIGHT to 444-999. Text F-I-G-H-T to 444-999. Or go to defendapatriot.com. Defendapatriot.com. All right, can the power of love save us from the coronavirus, ladies and gentlemen? I'm telling you, two incredible guests on your radio, Tom Kaczynski and Alan Phillips. We're going to get to them in a quick second. Patty, Utah, had a quick question. Patty, what I want you to do is ask your question or make your point, and then fly. We'll give as much time to these guys as we can. Go ahead. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Tom and Alan. Okay, how about our Constitution? Okay, we always have a but, B-U-T. You have the right... First Amendment, but you can't have hate speech. You have the Second Amendment, but you can't have your AR-15. Where's my right to uh, freedom of assembly? Okay, take that away. Put me in quarantine, martial law. I might not be sick. My family might not be sick. You know, where is the, my constitutional right to the freedom of assembly? we got cities like New Rochelle shut down completely. My brother lives near there. They've got the National Guard. They're not there getting food. They're there with their guns on their back with the roads closed. Where's my freedom going here? Another piece of my constitution? What's your thought? Thank right. you. Thank you. Fair question. Tom, why don't you finish up what you were saying and then answer her question? Then we'll pass it to Alan to respond. Sure. So I, I'll just skip right into the question because I had made the point I wanted to make. So here's what I would say to, 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 to Patty. You know, Thomas Jefferson, who was the framer of the Declaration of Independence, talked about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What you would note in that is that life preceded liberty, and liberty is a function of being alive. Viruses are a different game that are a threat to us all and that we need to take them seriously. Certainly, I would not want to see any further infringement on the First Amendment or anything. I worked for Ron Paul, so this gives me hopefully a little bit of credibility. But the virus simply does not care. It sees each of us like we see food at a buffet line. It takes different bites out of us. But I think you anticipate the problem, which is that 
There are people who will need to be taken care of if we are going to have quarantine. I hope our government is, in fact, thinking about how to feed people who are not prepared for these things. A massive supply where we come together as Americans beyond politics to make sure we can meet our needs as human beings that I think precedes that identity and that we are going to need a solution like that. If we do not have that or if people do not participate in that, people are out in the streets protesting, the virus will spread to those people. That may be your right to go out there and do that, but I will say that that will lead to a highly increased death toll for all Americans. And it also may be your right to do that, but you may be dead as a consequence. And what we need to do is use private organizations such as philanthropists and churches. And you know what? Uh, The first two commandments are love the Lord thy God, turn to him, and then love thy neighbor as thyself. And so we, the people, you know, 90 times out of 100, or 9 times out of 10, I just say, uh, governments jump in when people aren't doing their Christian duty. And then it leaves this great opening for government to jump in and do what we ought to have been doing uh, voluntarily, uh, charitably, out of the goodness of our hearts, obeying these two commandments that I speak of uh, first. And when we don't do our Christian duty, then government thinks it's a great opportunity for them to jump in. Alan, you want to respond? Sure. And uh, first of all, Tom, a pleasure to make your acquaintance here today. And uh, thanks for the great work you're doing. And it sounds like you've done some great work in the past as well. So just real pleasure and honor to be here with you today. Um, Likewise. What I- Thank you. Uh, what I heard Tom say sounded like he was describing in common sense terms my understanding of the law. It's really important for us to understand that there are no absolute rights in our legal system. All rights are bounded by opposing or conflicting rights. And so when you look at issues of infectious disease, for example, um, our right to a symbol is balanced by the state's police rights to take steps to, if necessary, in an emergency, for example, to limit the right to a symbol for the safety and protection of the citizens. It's it's a balancing act to ideally, or when applied uh, effectively. And by the way, if you want more guidance on the reality check Alan is making, go read Bastier's The Law. Go ahead, sir. Ideally, if if that balancing act is undertaken uh, effectively, you have the best overall net result for all concerned. Now, that's sort of the technical reality in terms of the way the law works. And the way that we know where those boundaries are, what the proper balance is in any given situation, is we have to look to legal precedent from uh, state and federal courts, uh, depending on, uh, as would be relevant to any given situation, and the courts. Uh, in effect, get to decide what the proper balance is. Problems arise not so much in that fundamental balancing act, which I think is a brilliant design in terms of our, our legal system. The problem arises when people manipulate the system to come up with what in truth is not a, a real balance or appropriate balance, but is something um, presented as a balance that really isn't a balance that's designed to achieve Again, some yeah, in other words, what you have is yeah. that balance where it's great for a moral, religious people uh, who don't have an agenda, right? When the right. agendas start to come out and they obliterate that moral high ground balance that would protect life, liberty, and property, then things start to go off the rails fast, and that's Patty's point, uh, and she's got a good point, but at the same time, we, we teach to the ideal, which is her point, but we live in the real, which is Alan's point, Tom. And I would add another piece to this, which is that as we look at these sort of challenges, I think Alan is exactly right, and, and I think what Patty uh, 
suggest is that this agenda has been used to manipulate people in the past. And this is going to be one of the challenges for us in addressing this that maybe speaks to this as being an asymmetrical weapon. If you were looking at this as a means to fight cultural warfare, it's no accident that authoritarian hierarchical societies have been able to muster a big response to this. America, the West, Italy, different countries that value, you know, open borders, freedom, liberty, people moving around have not balanced the needs to protect the whole community, the nation, against the rights of the individual. And that tension that Alan spoke about is absolutely correct. And what I'm submitting to people and what I say, most of my listeners lean left, even though I'm known as a far right figure, is that we have to get past those divisions for at least this season to begin figuring out how we get past this virus. And then only then we can begin to figure out who's responsible and all hold them to account for what has been done to us. That's going to be a tall order, Alan. Well, it would be an understatement, I think, to say that this virus has been dominating the news, for example. So I started asking questions like, okay, so what are we not paying attention to because of this? And is it possible that that one of the underlying agendas is that this is a distraction? What are we distracting from? What happens as I, – and I just can't – you know, Sam, I've seen so much for so many years that I've been investigating uh, vaccines and vaccine-related issues, and then that has sort of – branched out into other of, of what I refer to sometimes as the grand deceptions of, of our day. And, and I've slowly <laughs> over the years discovered that there appear to be many of them. But um, I'm just amazed and shocked. And at the same time, it's totally predictable, you know, what's going on. So the whole country is on the verge of shutdown. I've just in the last couple of days heard about uh, college students being told not to come back from spring break and some are, are going to try to do online classes and so forth. Um, Sam, this is going to have potentially an enormous impact on the economy and uh, how the economy I'm not an expert in politics. This would be a better question, much better point for Tom. I'd love to hear your thoughts. But my general understanding is that when the economy does really well, there's a good chance of the uh, incumbents being reelected. And when the economy isn't going well, there's a better chance of a turnover. And, you know, as well as Trump has done with economic issues, uh, the best thing the Democrats could hope for would be something that just blows the economy out of the water. All right. <laughs> and, so uh, I want to make this point and then We'll turn it over to Tom and, and, and continue here. Um, you know, in our society, we want to pretend we're not experts in anything or you're an expert in your one thing and that's all you're allowed to be an expert in. I want to tell you that I'm an expert in politics. I'm an expert on the economy. I'm an expert when it comes to medical. Now, does that mean I know everything about everything? No. Are there more people that know a lot about things than I do? No. Or yes, of course. But I'll be like President Trump. I know quite a bit about a lot of things and I know enough to get an expert on something that I don't know enough about or that I need to know more about or that I want guidance or counsel regarding. Okay, and in America, um, the founders understood that the average American could be experts at everything. They could run the greatest, freest government on the planet, and the government works for them. Okay, this wasn't by accident. This was an understanding that you don't need government approval or some certificate to this or that. You can be an expert. You can turn to God and get guidance. You can turn to those around you and, and, and you can become an expert in a hurry. Tom doesn't even have a medical degree, but he runs this incredible podcast, coronaviruscentral.net, Coronavirus Central on Facebook, Coronavirus Cast on Twitter, and he runs this incredible think tank, folks or education tank, whatever you want to call it, okay, he's calling it an open source intelligence to promote public information and safety. 
Okay, this is the kind of thing that we Americans can do. We have the world of knowledge at our fingertips. We have the ability to just, I mean, where's Tom in Maine? I'm in Utah. Yes. Alan's in the South. Uh, okay. And we're all together on this global syndication, educating people about what's going on. This is unprecedented in the world's history, the vast capabilities we truly have, Tom. And I bring that up because I want to make this very clear. I'm not telling you that I know more than every other economist, but I'm telling you that I know a lot about the economy. I'm not telling you that I know more about, okay, but I, but I know how to bring people in who do. And, and through all this, and right when we take this break, we'll come back to Tom. Through all this, my point is, you know what? We can handle this, and we together can become the experts, and we can come up with solutions and answers. But the economy is going to be absolutely decimated by this, as Alan points out, and I don't believe it's an accident. Let's talk about that with Tom Kaczynski and Alan Phillips in seconds on Liberty Roundtable Live. Pursuing liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Wendy King. The yeas are 363, the nays are 40. The bill is passed. The House has passed a coronavirus relief package with bipartisan support. Speaker Nancy Pelosi. We thought it would be important to show the American people, to assure the American people that we are willing and able to work together to get a job done for them. The bill has now gone to the Senate. It includes various safety nets for workers affected by illness or bad business. In addition to freeing up billions in disaster funding, the president says the emergency declaration is aimed at cutting red tape. We'll remove or eliminate every obstacle necessary to deliver our people the care that they need and that they're entitled to. He did say that he will most likely get tested for the virus. Two Brazilian officials he recently met have tested positive. Welcome to Tax Talk with Hollywood legend Bob Eubanks. You know, as part of Hollywood for a long time, I've seen my fair share of celebrities get in trouble with the IRS. Well, there's one name I trust, the Tax Defense Group. They're the most trusted name in tax. So if you owe more than $10,000 to the IRS, you really need to call my friends at the Tax Defense Group. Ignoring the IRS is not the solution. They can garnish your paycheck, levy your bank accounts, seize your home or business. But the Tax Defense Group could put a stop to all of that and tailor a program that would reduce your tax debt to pennies on the dollar. You gotta love that. So don't just take my word for it. Call them. Find out for yourself. They offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee and they're open 24 hours a day because they know that tax debt doesn't sleep either. Call now for your free and confidential tax analysis from the most trusted name in tax. Call 800-832-1594. 800-832-1594. A major airline is cutting flights due to the coronavirus. With more, here's USA's John Hunt. Delta Airlines will cut passenger carrying capacity by 40% to deal with a nosedive in travel demand, and it is talking to the White House and Congress about assistance to get through a downturn caused by the coronavirus. The cut in capacity over the next few months is the largest in Delta's history, surpassing... 
You know, I've told you I get the best sleep of my life with my my pillow, but I'm not the only one. Mark in Las Vegas told me the other day we were talking on other business. He says he went to mypillow.com, clicked on the radio listener special, and used the promo code USA. He got a great deal out of my pillow, and he is enjoying his sleep now. You can too. Go to mypillow.com, click on the radio listener special, use my promo code USA, and I promise you, you'll get the best sleep of your life, or you get your money back. All right, back with you live, Sam Bushman, Alan Phillips. Wow, folks, hard-hitting talk at your fingertips. I'll tell you right now, who's taking on the discussion like we are? Tom Kaczynski with us, coronaviruscentral.net. So uh, Alan made the point, uh, hey, you know what? This is going to be a massive economic reality check. And then I kind of came back and said, you know what? Um, I know we're not uh, experts in everything. But believe it or not, the founding principles uh, dictate that we understand we can be knowledgeable in anything, and we don't need government approval for things. We are intelligent beings, and the think tank of America is incredible. Uh, And with that, Tom, we pass it to you. So I would say, in, in accordance with what you said, Sam, I totally agree. Not only do we have the ability, but we have the responsibility to be informed citizens. You know, my background, technically, I was trained as a history major in medieval history, you know, Plagues gave me a little bit of hint of what to expect. I've been a political coordinator, a logistics and purchasing officer for a major corporation. I knew how to deal with supply chains, and I knew what disease looked like, and that's what tipped me off to begin talking about this. So when we talk about economics, I think a lot of us look at that as the Fed, or we look at that as uh, the Dow Jones, and that's not really the right way to understand economics. At its core, economics is about scarcity and need. If you are in a world and there's no food and you have a can of beans and someone else has a million dollars and they're hungry, well, that can of beans is worth a lot of money. And so that's how we need to start thinking of economics now. I argue for a fundamental shift away from this idea of finance, how we see it, and consumer-driven debt bondage that we deal with that really has been so destructive in our whole response and see that the coronavirus, whatever other problems it has, is forcing us to return to the fundamental question of what are our basic needs and how do we meet them, which will be good for America as it will move us from dependency on foreign countries and on entities that are not concerned with the liberties, rights of our citizens and the welfare of our people, which our founders intended. So I hope that what the government is doing in this season is acting very, very quickly to anticipate and solve those needs. And I think it would be great that if, in fact, that happens in concordance with the private sector, but in anticipation of the threats we're going to deal with, rather than in fear of the economic consequences of a low market, but in the more real supply chain problem of how do you feed quarantine people stuck in place that Patty asked about last segment. So the point that you're making, Tom, and I think Thoreau documented this quite well in the 1800s, which was, you know what, there's a hierarchy of needs. You know, the four main needs you have are food, which means water, right, food and water, a shelter, clothing, and fuel, right, to stay warm and to stay colder, you know, cooler. You need those four things, right? You need food, fuel, shelter, and clothing. Those are your four needs. Now, above that, we can talk about, you know, getting access to uh, you know Netflix or whatever. But the reality is those are the four fundamental needs, right? We need to add health to that as a fifth one because if a disease is trying to kill you, none of those other needs are met. So 
safety in that sense. And I think a lot of people understand security. Our founders certainly did with the Second Amendment, and we may need to use that if things go badly. But safety of the person is the fifth need. Other than that, I agree with Thoreau. I live off Moosehead Lake, where he actually wrote Into the Maine Woods. Brilliant man. Yeah, and, and so the point is health, I think, is through all those other four. So your point to bring it up and, and point it out is virtuous and good and necessary. But my point is innate in this, uh, we need food. Obviously, we need health uh, or, you know, fuel. We need to stay warm. All those things relate to our health. And you're pointing out another factor of which we got to focus right now, which is, hey, how to make sure we don't get this virus, etc. But I agree. They want to talk about the economy in terms of the stock market. Oh, my gosh, the stock market fell 25 percent. You know what? I don't care. The fact is, what I want to do is make sure that people are in their homes, that people voluntarily do what's necessary to make sure the virus doesn't spread, and that they have the ability to accomplish that task. Alan? What do you think of that for an economic shift? It all sounds good. I don't really have a lot to add to what the two of you have just said. I did want to briefly comment on on your earlier point, because you uh, struck a deep chord with me in a very great and in a wonderful way. Um, we have a tendency culturally in our society, and I would go a step further and speculate that probably in uh, part by manipulation, but regardless of deferring to experts, as I was uh, doing in, in the way I phrased my response uh, a couple minutes ago, and um, that supports a top-down control. You know, we have one of the one of the reasons we have the problems we do with the vaccine controversy today, for example, is that we as a society defer to the doctors. We assume the doctors are the experts, they know best. And um so we'll just do whatever they say and of course I'm not a doctor so I can't challenge a doctor. And it turns out that there are a lot of non-medically credentialed people who have done their own research, know a heck of a lot more about what's going on with vaccines than medical doctors do. Um, they aren't even taught that very, very little um, about vaccines in medical school and nothing about the uh, controversial points, downside, whatever you want to call it, but that come right out of authoritative uh, uh, medical literature, government statistics, and so forth. In other words, a fully credible um, opposing side that they're not even uh, made aware of. So uh, I think awakening happens in layers or steps or pieces, and you just facilitated uh, some clarity for me, Sam, contributing to my own awakening this morning. Yeah, the awakening happens on Liberty Roundtable at rapid speed, sir. All right. Um, so, Tom, his point's a brilliant one, and now doctors are coming to you for the very reasons that we're pointing out. And the reason that I highlight this so much in this discussion where you're thinking, well, wait a minute, Sam, isn't this about economy, vaccines, and, and the coronavirus? Yes, it is. It's about all those things, but it's also about taking charge uh, of your family, of your life, of your circumstances, of your surroundings, uh, Tom. And I think that's critical. When doctors come to you, it makes the point beautifully, sir. Absolutely. And Alan says it exactly right. You know, we have the potential to do great things. If you're an intelligent person willing to ask questions, use the eternal light of reason that our founders spoke so brilliantly about, you can begin to understand things. Yes, there's a lot of language and you have to take the time to inform yourself. But they say, and we used to understand in this country that in six weeks, you could often learn the basics of how anything worked. And we would do that. Yes, there's a lot of value to experiential, uh, you know, learning where you've done things with your hands and you learn that muscle memory. But with this dealing with a new situation, I think it's possible that our response has been hamstrung by the prejudice that medical professionals in some cases have had of looking to compare this to something we've seen before. 
the coronavirus, whatever else it does, whatever the agenda is, is going to change the way our society, our world works. And if we are going to deal with this, I've always said on my show, we have one choice in life, how we choose to deal with the events that are before us. This could be an adventure, an opportunity, and a chance to grow, or something we run from in fear and panic and lack of understanding. I think that we have the capacity within us to deal with this. It's what's best about America, and it's why I have hope that no matter how many people suffer, that the world on the other side of this may be better if our Lord and Savior goes ahead and blesses us to use the potentials which he has granted us. In the Bible, I am told by God in James chapter 1, verse 5, if I lack wisdom, go to him in prayer, and he will give to me liberally and abradeth not, which means he won't chastise me or punish me. He'll give to me liberally. And I believe that if I use that method, I can be one of the smartest people on this planet. Not because I'm smarter than everybody else necessarily, but because God can heighten my sensibilities. And if I turn to him and keep his commandments, I have all the faith in the world that, you know what? My intelligence, which is pretty decent. I'm not too shabby for a redneck. Hey, now. But at the same time, you know what? God can add to my knowledge and I can become brilliant, especially when I'm doing what he wants me to do. And, and I know a lot of people aren't willing to mix those topics together like I am, but I'm not afraid of that. I'm going to stand up and replace fear with faith, and I'm going to say the economy is about me taking care of my family, not about their stock market. And I'm going to say this, the coronavirus is a serious threat, and I'm intelligent enough to take it so, and I don't need to be mandated in any of these things by these thugs. I need to basically take the bull by the horns and pull a throw and say, hey, I'm going to take charge of my reality to the best of my ability, and I want to become part of the solution by choice and education. Alan, what do you say to that, sir? <laughs> well, Sam, if you're a redneck, I hope to be one someday. Um, <laughs> that's my first thought. Uh, I, I'm really concerned that I, all, all of this, of course, is, is right on point, right on target. What concerns me is that things may be beyond our control, like despite the fact that I know and believe from my research, for example, you know, the federal government's paid out over $4 billion because of people injured and killed by vaccines. And the same federal government tells us that over 99%, over 99% of vaccine adverse events never even get reported. So it seems pretty obvious. Uh, and And the Adverse events are required by law to be reported. That means the entire pediatric uh, medical community is is in ongoing violation of federal law, by the way, just to sort of put things in perspective there and, and any other vaccinating doctors. But having said that, uh, my concern is that even when you see what's going on and if, if what you are seeing is something that is uh, just use the word inappropriate to, to simplify the point here, uh, doesn't necessarily mean you're in a position to be able to do anything about it. And so let's say there were one or more nefarious agendas with the coronavirus. Does discovering that, knowing that, mean they're still not going to play out? And so I have a concern about uh, this issue with that specific idea. It's a fair concern. General. I'll respond. And Tom will respond in seconds on the other side, ladies and gentlemen, because it's a fair concern. Hey, what about things that are not in your control? And I got an answer. Let's see what Tom has to say. And then I want to go into an interesting format. I want to ask both of these guys rapid fire questions with super short answers because we're running out of time. Hold on. The runner on third takes a short lead. Elwood glances over. Now back to the plate. He sets the pitch. It's swung on strike three. They've won it. They have won it. World champions. 
Jim, what's it like down on the field? John, it's a madhouse down here. I'm, I'm trying to get to Bob Bell with the winning pitcher. Bob, Bob, how does it feel winning the seventh game on a strikeout? Yeah, I, I, I thought he'd be looking for a slider, so I came on with my fastball. World champions, is this the greatest moment of your life? Absolutely not. Jim, the best moments for me are breakfast with the kids. Long walks with my wife, just holding her hand, you know? Marriage. You're never too far apart when you're still holding hands. From your neighbors, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Jim, when was the last time you held your wife's hand? Well, it's, it's, it's been a while. I tell you, you need to step up to the plate, Jim. For more tips on strengthening your marriage, visit family.mormon.org. I reinstated a policy first put in place by President Ronald Reagan, the Mexico City policy. I strongly supported the House of Representatives' pain-capable bill, which would end painful late-term abortions nationwide. And I call upon the Senate to pass this important law and send it to my desk for signing. We are protecting the sanctity of life and the family as the foundation of our society. And most importantly of all, it is the gift of life itself. That is why we march. That is why we pray. And that is why we declare that America's future will be filled with goodness, peace, joy, dignity, and life for every child of God. Alan Phillip, Tom Kaczynski, Sam Bushman on your radio. So Tom Allen's saying, hey, you know, things may be out of your control and there may be agendas against you and you may not have control of it. It's a legitimate concern, but I got an answer, but I want you to answer first, Tom. Well, I think, you know, the way to go insane is if you try to figure out how you can control the things you can. For me in this crisis, the way I've been dealing with it is I look at the problem right in front of me which is that there is a deadly disease. And I always tell people, let's not look past that. We have to survive that and help as many others survive it. Then we begin asking these broader questions, you know, like Alan's asking. And I think it's important, you know. I'll tell you, personally, I support the anti-vax movement, and we've been trying here in Maine to prevent it. Unfortunately, we saw a terrible state law ram through over the objection of many people that has put them at peril and had to have families being deprived access to health care and education for the desire just to protect their children. And that, like we've been saying throughout this show, the idea that we want to have top-down solutions is a big part of the problem. And so many of the crises that exist today, I think, stem from that same idea that we've covered in this whole broadcast, that we give power to experts to have power over us who have not shown any value to this other than that they have certain letters, credentials, or a lot of assets and resources. This virus will re-scramble that table, and hopefully it will encourage all of our citizens to ask better questions so that we don't have to be in these situations where we are dependent upon people with questionable motives, and therefore we could come together more quickly, like I wish we could for this virus, to solve the problem in front of us. And as Tom wisely points out, as this scrambles the table of who's in charge and who's got control, I'm going to throw down for Jesus. And so I'm going to ask you guys, who's the weatherman? I know it's a weird question. Just stay with me. Who's the weatherman? Tom? Well, you know, I... Is it that dude on the nightly news? (laughs) 
I would not. Well, look, I, the media has attacked me a lot personally over the years, so I certainly am not going to do that. I mean, there are certain truths that are eternal that we can look to. Yeah. So I who's the weatherman? Way to do that. So, you know, I would say when you look at that, you know, you want to look at the Lord as your guidance. I think that that's absolutely true. And, you know, I will tell you, you know, if you want, you could you would have learned more about this crisis from reading Revelation 6 and Isaiah 40 than you would have from watching uh, the CDC and NBC News. Um, but nonetheless, the Lord did give us the power of reason. Aquinas talked about that very brilliantly and that we need to use those capacities. As you said, you know, I think Sam rightly you know, you can pray and you can find the wisdom. That's the one prayer you know will always be answered from Solomon on to today. All right, give those scriptures again. Um, it's, uh, Revelation, Revelation 6. 6. Yeah, that's the one that talks about pestilence. And then if it's, if it's right, we should expect war to follow. And the Isaiah 40 is about comfort for our people in a time of suffering. It's right, and buddy. I'm telling you right Psalm now. Psalm 91 will be very helpful. All right. So I say the weatherman, the man who's in charge of the weather, is God. I know they want you to believe that it's a guy on TV, but it ain't, okay? And I know I don't have control of everything. That's true. But neither do these thug enemies of ours who want to force vaccines and force these agendas down our throats towards a tyranny. I submit to you that God is in charge, and even though I'm not in control, he is, and he's my friend. And he promises me that if I do what he asks me to do, keep his commandments and everything else, that, you know what, things may not be easy and things may not be perfect, but things will be well with me. In other words, the Savior Jesus Christ says, be of good cheer. And he didn't say except for when the coronavirus comes, Alan. He says, be of good cheer. And I trust him. I believe that that's a true principle. And does it mean that everything's perfect? No. I believe I've already had the coronavirus, Alan. You didn't hear this last hour. I literally have serious lung problems and health problems. Uh, and I've had so for almost three mo- uh, for about three months now as a result of this. Uh, anyway, I won't go into that except to say I trust God and he's in control, buddy. And if these people think they're in control over God, I got news for them. They're going to lose. So we need to hold on to the faith factor, sir. Well, I don't disagree with anything you said, Sam, but I think it can be more complicated than that. And, all, you know, it's really interesting phenomenon that, that people have looked um, – I don't know if this was in the form of formal studies or not, but it makes the point which, whichever way that was. For example, people in the Midwest whose homes were destroyed by tornadoes, good um, – God-fearing Christians, fundamentalists, and, and so forth, and, and they said that people tended to go one of two ways when they have a disaster like that. It either strengthens their faith in God or it causes them to become completely disillusioned. You know, I've done everything you asked. I've been a good person. Why is my home destroyed? So I'm not, I don't want to open up that question, you know, for the, to take up the rest of your show. But Except I do to say let's encourage people towards the former rather than the latter, right? Well, the point is is that it, 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 it's not as simple as follow a list of rules and life is beautiful. And so my point is this, that um, while I am always open to a miracle, to divine intervention, I will accept that any time that God chooses to do that. I think far more often that God works through us and not for us. And so when you ask for God's guidance, ask exactly for that, God, what can I do? Lead me to take the most effective and appropriate action. And when you're open to that kind of guidance, 
you become, at least in the moment that you get it, as brilliant as you need to be or don't need to be in that moment for whatever's going on. Your credentials, your intellectual number on a score sheet somewhere doesn't matter. And of course, we should all use all of what we have in terms of our intellect and, and other human faculties. But be ready to serve with all of that and be open to being guided. And perhaps most importantly, for, for purposes of this point, and not to the exclusion of anything else, ask to be directed or guided to participate actively. We're here in three-dimensional physical bodies here in three-dimensional physical world, not to sit back and say, okay, God, fix everything for me. And it's okay with me when that happens. It'll get me wrong. I'm, you know, I'm all options are on the table as far as I'm concerned. But let's do our part with God to do what needs to be done. So it's a it's a way for me saying that I think it's really important for us to be proactive. And, and Tom was saying something that sounded to me uh, uh, real similar to my own ideas because I have my own ideas about the answer to my question, and it has to do with two simple concepts. One. Everything we do operates within controlled systems. Let's, first of all, acknowledge that, become aware of that, and let's look to disarm or neutralize that control because that's what prevents us from being effective if everything we do is controlled. And one of the ways to do that is all of us coming together. There's no doubt it's a question of how quickly things can change and we feel powerless to deal with things. There's no doubt about it. But I submit to you that we learned from the scriptures that, you know what? The Lord is in control. We're living in exciting times in the world's history. And you know what? We're awaiting the Savior's second coming. There's no need to fear because you know what? We can turn to him. The Lord thy God is with us if we're willing to turn to him. Does it mean things will be beautiful and perfect? No, it does not. Things will be very difficult between now and when the Savior comes. Many folks, believe it or not, are pushing for a tyranny. We're pushing to prevent it until he comes. So we got an epic battle on our hands. The coronavirus is a subset of that war that existed in heaven between God and Satan that's continued on the earth now. You and I are in the middle, and we must decide who we're going to follow. Uh, and so that's kind of an interesting twist in this battle. But I submit to you that what we need to do is stay home voluntarily. We need to disconnect from uh, other people to the best of our ability without becoming isolationists so that we don't spread this virus. And we need to basically do our very best to help those who are at high risk that are in our neighborhoods and our areas to say, hey, can we get them medications? Can we do things to ease their burden? Can we, um, so that we can all stay alive. And the whole point is life, liberty, and property. And the mechanisms to solve these problems are God, family, and country. Tom? I agree with all of that, and I agree very much with what Alan's saying. You know, our purpose in this life is not to to just have this be the life. You know, every Christian knows to be born again in the Spirit, to be born in the uh, the true progressive life that is, is Jesus Christ, means that we are being asked to do certain things, and that we do ask for wisdom, and we ask for the ability to serve and trust that we who are faithful servants will be rewarded. And that is not contingent upon what outcomes that we receive in all of this but in the faith that we have that there is a greater purpose to this. And I think that, you know, in times of great peril, which we're experiencing, 
people will have to lean on their faith in order to survive. I know that I certainly do. You know, I have one example just for my own personal life very quickly. My wife has chronic Lyme disease. Uh, which is a terrible immunological suppressive condition. And she had used that to help bring her to the faith that she had allowed to lapse. And in the same way that Paul had the thorn in his side, you know, Second Corinthians 12, that, that reminder sometimes, maybe this is the wake-up call the Lord is giving us that will give a potential for people whose greatness has, has been lost because we've lost goodness will give us a chance to remember who we are and what we need to be if we are to serve his will and to enjoy the blessings of liberty that he gave to us. And I know uh, that Alan's right, that it's tough, folks. It isn't that easy. It's not just a simple follow A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and you're done. This is a real um, battle in people's hearts and in people's minds. And, and you know what? Sometimes we'll do better at it than others. Right. And what we need to do is encourage and strengthen one another so that, you know what, um, we're not all weak at the same time. If if uh, Sam's down, then Tom and, and uh, Alan can help Sam and cheer Sam up and give Sam courage and point Sam to the faith again. And, and we need to all be there for one another uh, and really demonstrate the love of God. Uh, in our own lives as we reach out to those around us. And, and I think that uh, as a as a people, we can truly turn to God and encourage others to do so. Is it the silver bullet that'll solve everything? No, we live in rough times. We live in a perilous world. There's no doubt about that. However, we need to replace fear with faith because there's no value in the spiral down of fear. There's no value in the turning away from God. There's every value in faith and God and hope and get on your knees and pray and get up and go to work and do all within our power, do our best and trust in God for the rest. Alan, the final word's yours, sir. Thank you. Uh, pleasure and honor again to be with you gentlemen today. I have learned a lot. Boy, Sam, I can't uh, validate you strongly enough on the don't feed the fear point. Um, that's how they control us, the primary tool of control there. But um, um, oh, I lost my train of thought there. I had a – oh, yeah, in every crisis are seeds for great things. And let's look for that. Uh, look for the – the silver lining and so forth, and I'm just sort of paraphrasing, I think, the concept that Tom had already said, maybe both of you had already said, but yeah, use common sense, of course, take reasonable precautions, uh, but look for the opportunity. There are, there are great opportunities here. Let's find them. Tom? All I would say to people is take this seriously, stay home. You know what? We live in a very busy world. Find the quiet space. If you're in quarantine, use that opportunity to get closer to the Lord. Protect your family. Protect your soul. We'll be rooting for you. All of us can lift each other up. God bless. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, just so you can get Tom's podcast, give us the details, Tom. Sure. Coronaviruscentral.net is the main thing. I have a YouTube channel. The link's off there. You can subscribe. It's on Monday through Friday. Usually a post at about 12 uh, p.m. I do a live show Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Apple, Spotify, Google Play. Listen, enjoy. We'll keep you informed. Alan, do you have uh, websites up now? I just got the vaccinerights.com website back up, Sam. Vaccinerights.com. I love it. Great information, gentlemen. Thank you so much. I don't know why we haven't heard if Donald Trump has been tested or not. That's an interesting uh, twist uh, as well. Uh, all I know is this. Whether you're tested or not, you know what? Follow true principles. And when you do, your safety will be increased substantially, folks. Do not double down in fear. Double up, if you will, in faith and hope 
and charity to others. And as you lose your life in the service of others, ye shall find it. All right. For Sam, Tom, and Alan, we declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America.